0: Hi, welcome to another episode. This is your host Brian Maddox. I'm here today with Jay Miller from Kyber Digital. Welcome Jay. Great to be here. <laughs> awesome. So um, Jay, do us a little favor and tell us uh, how you started Kyber, kind of how you ended up where you're at right now. Um, not, not not physically, mind you, but, uh, but in general in the career. Um, and we'll go from there on the marketing stuff
1: yeah um you might be able to tell from my my somewhat half done setup here behind me but like i was a, a musician first and um uh basically kyber at the time was a means to an end like we were touring non-stop eating a lot of peanut butter and jelly and mcchickens you know and mcdonald's and it got to the point where all of us were trying to make money doing something else um i fell into uh web design and SEO from my actual day job when I wasn't touring, uh, the boss just kind of came to me one day and said, Hey, like you need to build this one client, a website. I'd never built a site before. You know, I'd done a lot of marketing stuff prior to that. But so I fell into that through him. And then it kind of turned into a lot of freelance work. I started building websites in the back of a touring van, like between cities. So we'd be like driving from you know Nashville to Memphis or something, and they're like in or in the back of the van, just like building sites. Um, started to take off, and eventually my other guitar player Aaron, I kind of said, "Hey, like you know, do you want to do this with me?" Because I just need help. I can't manage all this stuff by myself now. It's, it's it was growing, and he said, "Yeah, sure." Like so, then it became the two of us working on hotspot from our phones in the back of the van. Like there's there's like pictures of us still doing this together. Um, and so, uh, you know, long story short, you know, uh, COVID kind of destroyed the, the, the band's hopes and dreams. Let's just word it that way. Um, we eventually got old I and it turned into, um, well, the opportunity for the agency was just so large and so in front of us that it kind of directed where our focus was going to go. So then it turned into what it turned into. And, um, it evolved into what it is today, but it started literally in the back of a van touring the country. So that's how, it, that's how it began and that's how I ended up here.
0: So, all right, I have to ask some ridiculous questions first. Sure. A, how many members of the band are involved in your company?
1: Now, with myself, three. It was the, the Aaron was the guitar player. He's now the web designer. He's been doing web design for the last five years um and now we have neil who's the one of our main copywriters and um all uh, N- neil was always the guy in the band who when we did interviews it'd be like all of us just no we gotta give it to him he's he's the wordsmith like we nobody wants us to say anything in front of a camera just let neil do it and um he was just naturally better at it than we were and uh he took up copywriting during covid because he just really liked it um it just naturally i mean this guy used to like buy newspapers um in between tour stops just for the fun of it he would buy a local newspaper and read it see how people wrote and they get the history of it so his mind worked really well that way so we brought him in and now he's doing copy um i just gotta get the the drummer in here somehow he's doing production in la working on some really large projects that you would definitely know the names of some grammy award-winning artists and uh i just got to get him involved somehow and then i'll i'll have roped in the whole group somehow (laughs)
0: that is that has got to be one of the most interesting stories origin stories for both a band and a marketing company i've ever heard (laughs)
1: Yeah, it, it's been it's been fun, but they're they're all we're all still like playing music together. We're all still doing this, and um, and my team when when Neil and Aaron and I both get on some kind of team call, they, like my COO said it one day. She's like, "We don't even stand a chance. You guys just go like, you know, just <laughs> you know." So it, it it's it's made the culture very fun too, because it's like everything's a lot more laid back when it comes to the way that we integrate together. Mm. So.
0: So, how do you think that impacts your
1: work? Uh, oh, let me let me, without stroking the back of my own my own you know ego or anything, I will tell you what Neil just told me two days ago. Um, because Neil's only been here for two months, so this is pretty new for him. And I said to him in a Slack message, I was like, you know, P.S. How wild is it that you and me are even having this conversation at this right. company? Like, this is just so bizarre. You know, we've been torn together for ten years, and then. Playing music together for even longer, and like, I said, dude, it's actually kind of nuts how invested and integrated and just committed to the cause all of these people are. Like, because he had no idea. Like, we don't, we didn't talk about my business outside of, um, you know, just passing by when we were like doing other things. And so it it was interesting to him to see how how much this has grown, but more so like how committed to what Kyber's goals are. That all of our employees are actually committed to, um, so it, it's been interesting to watch. And I think that I think that with him being newer, it, he kind of like gives that outside perspective. But I think it's because of the way that we run the company, which is very much more. It's it's a laid back environment, but we also really push to bring in uh, a sense of like community. And I always, as an advocate. For my employees tried to find ways to encourage them to grow and i've never held back from that like if they needed a laptop because their laptop was dying i'd buy them a macbook we have a corporate Ma- apple account i think to this date i bought like 12 macbooks for the team so far um and like i ship them to the philippines even to the vas you know uh if someone needed software i just buy it i'm like yeah no problem we need an upgrade okay like i i want to make their lives easier And we're also consistently asking like, Hey, like we're looking for feedback. How can I make this process better for you? How can I make it better for your VAs? How can I make this easier for us? Like, this is what we're trying to do. Are we on the right track? Um, Mm -hmm. So because I've allowed some of the team leads and even the, the all the way down to the bottom, the cogs in the wheel, the VAs to really own their processes and have say over how they go so long as they are correlating with our goals, deadlines and objectives it really feels like everyone's been kind of integrated into the entire process where there is no compartmentalization any longer. Like everybody at the company knows what everybody's role is and how it affects everybody else and what the core mission is moving forward for the company. And I think that's been a big part of it. And um, I'll leave you this one story like real quick, but like two of my people on my team are yoga instructors. So one day they came to me and they said, hey, can we teach yoga like once a week? Yeah, sure, fine, whatever. You know, it's like, yeah, go ahead. Like, and you know, I'm on, like, probably on the floor one day, and I'm, I'm like using my chirp wheel, and I'm yoga, doing all the yoga with all the team on a Zoom call with everybody else, and I'm sitting there going, like, how the hell did I end up here doing yoga <laughs> with people that I pay? Like, it was so bizarre, and it's just... so, yeah. I think that's why we have like a a fun environment because it's like. I just don't think I'm a typical CEO in that regard, but, you know, I come from the punk grounds, you know, Warped Tour and stuff. So I I just feel like I'm not wired as much as uh, someone from another background would be. So I I think that's what made the culture what it is to give you a long story short, but that's kind of the gist of it.
0: So, you know, and I I think it's important too. I mean, when you start talking about this stuff, it's obvious that the performance culture that you have um, also, Leads to particularly, you know, given that, that, the art side of that conversation, you have to be able to, you know, trust these folks in a performance setting. And the only way you're going to get there is if you build that rapport, which I think is, uh, it's a spot on approach to driving engagement and stuff like that. So when you talk to your clients, is that something that you bring out, uh, or your prospects, is that something you, you dial into your marketing program? How does that, how does that factor into, how you go to market
1: um believe it or not it doesn't really um Hmm. ironically enough the prospects don't really know a lot about how our company works internally and they don't know a lot about um what really makes the the processes work for them until they're already here we have some, like, our, our social media that de- always needs work. It's, like, something that, like, I personally don't spend a lot of time on. Right. Um, but that's not our focus as an agency or as a consultancy either. So I think, for for me, it's, it's always been, let me focus on the prospect's problems and what they need and why they're even talking to me. Because at the end of the day, they don't care about me. They don't care about what we do. They don't care about my team. Like, the only thing they care about is is making sure that we can solve their problems and getting them ahead because the reality is they only care about themselves um that's not to say that they're selfish that's just the way people are programmed so especially the business owners or the people who are responsible for revenue growth at a business so when we go into sales calls it's a no bs environment where we dive right in and i i just say look like why are you here what can we do what are you struggling with and we go down a discovery call framework that is solely focused around questions and and focused around them and not us. So we actually barely talk about us. And when we do, it's like a five minute, you know, pinpoint in the conversation all the way at the tail end of it, Hmm. you know, and then we get into the pitch and the pitch is only 15 minutes, maybe 10 minutes long. Like, and then it goes into back and forth questions. So that that's, that's really it. Like we don't focus on us at all. The only time that they actually see the, the culture is from the Instagram and, and social media posts that we have where we're like kind of like highlighting what we do. And I will say that something I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on that's been client facing has been my, uh, we have on our website, like our, like your team page, mm-hmm. and it has everybody's headshots. But then I said, look, we can't make this boring. Like no one cares. Like it's got to be entertaining. It's going to be fun. So... I said, give us a little snippet about yourself to make it make it funny, make it interesting. Like tell us what you do, but in a funny way. I, I think my my like staple under mine was just said, like, what would Tom Hanks do? Ask yourself every day what would Tom Hanks do. That's it. It doesn't say anything else about me. Like, so right. we tried to make it fun so that people read it. It's like, okay, this is a real company with real people, with a real culture. It's not just a bunch of guys in a workshop somewhere. Um and I think that kind of speaks a lot to like the type of people we're also trying to attract because I I don't want, you know, uh, the guy that has no emotions whatsoever and is just like a grinder for for money, you know. Um, so I, I think that it's, it's interesting. That's really the only time that clients actually see the mm. forward-facing part of our culture is on the team page and on our social media. Um, and every once in a while, I'll have a LinkedIn post go viral because I talk about some of this stuff where I say we have a four hour work, uh I'm sorry, four day work week and we have a, you know, shorter work day and we start pretty late and most of our team uh is not micromanaged. They're very much remote and as long as they hit their deadlines, like we don't care when the work gets done. It could be four in the morning, right. you know. Um, so I, I think because of the the you know, I trust you to get the job done type of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um it's, it's kind of like it attracted more people to want to work here, but it hasn't attracted prospects. And I, I don't think it it probably never will because I don't think the prospects care if that makes any sense. So we just it's have- It's interesting. To I mean, it.
0: you know, and and having done a lot of work in the space myself, I think it's, um, yes, they care about what you can do, right? Like the, the outcomes you can create is important, but a lot of folks, believe it or not, are also interested in how you win, right? So, and that how you win- um, in some ways, um, uh, gets really important. It's really important after the fact, right? How is the experience you've created during the process? Um, it's uh, they re- they they refer to it in um, "Power of Moments." Uh, Chip and Dan Heath. It's an excellent book if you get a chance, uh, and they talk about creating these moments that are like impactful and important. And when you're talking about taking a client through a journey, it's a it's an outrageous way to get. Um, uh, positive lasting impressions or positive lasting change particularly in cases where that's important um, but i want to get back briefly to the the parts of the business then so in your forward-facing uh, business you've got um, some challenges there as well in the terms of like what you're selling versus what the market's ready to buy so can you walk us through that a little bit because i'm interested to hear how you've addressed some of those gaps
1: um well i, I mean, I've I've been tackling a couple areas of this um, as we go, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. we've shifted a lot from who we started with too, which is worth saying. Like when I started the company, we were working with local service companies, contractors, Mm -hmm. uh, roofers, plumbers, uh, you know, lawyers. And we still have a bunch of those on the roster, but um, it it ended up being great through COVID because the service guys were, know mandatory workers so and they were busy as hell throughout the whole time right um but as the agency grew and i we started to figure out like what we wanted to actually focus on um i started to you know i hired a business coach i started reading a lot of books you know i I tried to figure out what am i going to do for the next five years because it was a side hustle and then it wasn't anymore right um so we shifted into you know, realistically what I was very good at, which was strategy, um, data, and content marketing and execution. That that was the three areas that we were very good at. And and content marketing encompasses SEO and ads, but the actual overall for all the brand. So when we build out a campaign for somebody, typically I tell them we got to do the strategy first. You know, I'm not gonna just Implement a campaign based on a questionnaire. Like we have to really dive deep. I need to understand the market trends, the consumer trends. I need to understand your business, how your business, you know, has marketing and sales enablement. um, What's your software stack looks like? Because I'm I'm looking at the revenue. I'm looking at the bottom dollar of like if I'm bringing this client on. Getting leads in the door is not enough. Getting, you know, even. You know, a solid amount of, of appointments for somebody or or closes isn't enough. I want to know if their bottom dollar revenue went up, and if it didn't, then I don't think it's a success. Like, why would they stay? It doesn't it does it doesn't allow me to have long term retention as an agency or as a consultant? Right. So, what I do is I I just tell them like, this is what I'm really good at. This is my expertise, and you have to do it this way, or I won't work with you. Mm. That's it. You know, because why would you let the client dictate the strategy when they obviously can't figure it out for themselves? And they're coming to you and they're saying, Hey, I want you to do it this way. And you're like, well, if you were doing it this way already, and now you just want us to execute and it wasn't working, why would we repeat that process? Yeah. And, um, I, I had a couple clients, or I should say prospects, that said, "I just want to do this." And I said, "That's not going to work," and they insisted. I said, well, "Then we're not the right fit." <laughs> you know, I, I just said that we're not that. This isn't going to yeah, work yeah. for us because I don't believe that your strategy is going to work from what we're looking at from a data perspective and from history and experience. So. I eventually walked away from that project because I said it's not worth it. I'm, my my name is going to be put on the line. I know that our our team is going to be frustrated because they can't implement the things that they know work. So, to, a long story short, to your 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 question, I stick to what I know, and I stick to what I'm really good at, and I stick to the the the, the motif of, mm-hmm. you know, you're hiring us for a reason. Here's the expected return. Here's how long it's going to take. Here are the results. Take it or leave it. You know that that's sort of the the gist about it. And but it all comes from the strategy, which implements like it, it's customization versus, um, I guess, configuration. Like we have a configuration that is built that is tried and true and proven. The customization just happens with plugging in some of the the data and the branding and the. The, the tactics that work for that particular client in that particular campaign, but the configuration of what we do has driven hundreds of millions of dollars. So right. I, I stick with what I know for that reason alone.
0: So, um, but your space, your market is is a noisy one, right? There's lots yeah. and lots of players out there, and and not a lot of them are um, approaching the market in the same way you are, right? So you have. Um, you know, you have this in a lot of consultancies, right? You have the folks out there that, um, uh, have given us all a bad name as it were. So, yeah, yeah. so how do you deal with, uh, a, you know, a crowded marketplace and, um, a, a fair amount of distrust from the prospect base broadly? No, I mean, maybe I'm generalizing a little bit too much, but there's a lot of like, yeah, I don't know what that is. That sounds like voodoo. How do you, how do you navigate that stuff?
1: Um, Well, the easiest way is proving results and being able to show your prior results. That's just a given. you know. Um, Client reviews and testimonials can be faked, but if you can pull up data, it says like, here's something we did for this client. Here's the results that they had. That's hard to argue, right? Um, Especially if it's in a difficult market. So the first thing is results. The second thing we did was we actually on the sales end stopped using trigger words for these people. So we stopped using the word ads, we stopped using the word SEO, we stopped using the word agency, we stopped using the word marketing, right? And we only focused on bottom line revenue growth and business development. And that was one thing that we, we separated. And yeah, we have an agency that implements content marketing and implements ads and SEO, but we're actually in the midst of a rebrand to move towards consultancy because Mm -hmm. we do a lot more than just content marketing. And we've never really been an SMMA. We've always done the extra stuff. And now we're getting into financial analysis and we're getting into uh, data aggregation and visualization for large data hub clients where we're doing automated offline conversions and we're pulling in like like all of this web data and then giving it to their CFOs to say, here's how you can expand into your next area. Like here's the the money. This is where it's coming from. This is where you can correlate your best users to. So it, it became a lot more than just an agency, but we focused very heavily on marketing. So that was the other side about it is it's marketing focused, revenue generation focused, and hyper growth focused. Ironically enough, one of the guys that I just closed um, it's a tech company it, working with some very large uh, companies like Lego and Nestle and stuff. They mm-hmm. uh, they said to me on the call, They're like, you know, you're not like a typical agency. Like, we've talked to all of these other guys, they go get business degrees, they, they've they taken courses, you know, from HubSpot, they, they've done a lot of just going up the ladder ranks, and you guys aren't really like that. And I just go against the grain based upon how I've been coached, because I can't take credit for all this myself. And and also just what I've experienced, which is the lots and lots and lots of sales calls where we were viewed yeah. as a vendor that was one disposable and two was like everybody else. Yeah. So so beyond just those couple things of we we positioned ourselves not as an agency but as a consultancy. Um, we're extremely confident and extremely direct on calls where I say we're doing it our way or we're not doing it at all i know it's going to work that level of confidence really portrays something that agencies don't because agencies tend to like oh you need a proposal here you go here's our proposal with our stuff they don't even ask questions right so, it's like that's that's why you're a vendor because you didn't even ask why that budget why do you need <laughs> right. this why. so they're not diving deep enough into discovery on sales and um and then i guess the the third and final thing is is simply just creating a unique mechanism that we own that they can't get anywhere else. And we do that in two different ways. One, we have an actual mechanism that is very unique to us called quantum search. This is a very different way of merging data, ads, and SEO altogether to make them compound from an algorithmic and analytical perspective. Um, and we do it through content marketing. So it's all driven through video. Nobody in the world is doing that. The closest thing to it is maybe Neil Patel. And, and it's just something that I stumbled on going from conference to conference to conference to conference and seeing that nobody touched it. No one did it. No one was merging these two things together in a good way. So we found a small gap. We built it. And now we're scaling it. Um, the other thing that made it really unique outside of a unique mechanism was having a unique sales process. Um, kind of what you said, like talking about like customer journeys and and, and really owning that customer journey all the way through we have a very different sales process that they're not used to because we dive in and ask really difficult questions that most of the time they can't answer. Mm. And that to them is kind of like a, a culture shock almost to themselves. They say, oh, wasn't expecting this type of call today. And and that's how we get into <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> I'm also very blunt. like The way I'm talking to you right now is the way I talk to prospects. It's right. like, there is no different. You get me, you get the authentic real me. And if, if you don't like it, then we're not for you. So Um, but that, that's sort of, I think what really sets us apart is the, the presentation, the attitude about which we go about it. And also we're very data led and it's something that we've built for four years straight to develop this. And, um, pretty much since COVID started, it was really the the crux of the beginning of it. And that was how we created, uh, something that stands out. That's unique to us that they can't pinpoint that any other agency has and the way in which we go about sales. and I, I guess to, to wrap this up in a pin, I also have developed a pretty, pretty large network. So if I can't do it, I can typically pull somebody in who's like right. a world-renowned specialist in whatever it is that I can't do. So having that network has really allowed me to say, oh, like you need somebody to handle your GDPR in Italy and your server issues with compliance. I, I got a guy for that that does all of Europe, like no problem. Yeah, like yeah. really weird enterprise-level advanced problems that I have no business even being in, but I know somebody. So I can pass off these weird problems to right. somebody else in my network. And that's also been a very good driver for sales.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. I, I want to make sure that we're being sensitive to your time and our listeners' time. So let me, uh, let's me let start to wrap this up. I do want to ask uh, a couple questions on the way out, though. My standard Columbo style, like, oh, just one more thing. Uh, first, uh, we'll go with... Um, uh, who should reach out to you? Who's good uh, connect, uh, and how should they get a hold of you?
1: Um, first on the talent side, anybody that's looking for a job that like that wants to re- work remote, I'm always looking for people in any department. Period for anything related to digital marketing and sales. So that's the first thing. Um, I can't hire everybody, but I I am <laughs> always looking. So um, the second is it's for people that want to work with us. We're industry agnostic. But we do focus in a couple areas, and that's mostly the tech industry. So it's MarTech, software, SaaS, uh, you know, any type of uh, fintech even. Um, And we're working primarily with a couple partners um, on the data side to really make those things have financial backing so they can see what's actually driving their actual growth from a marketing and sales perspective and not Mm. just guessing. Uh, going all the way down to user input data. So I can say, who are your best 1,000 customers and where did they come from? And how many touch points did it take? And when was that conversion happening? Like, So now we can correlate like actual huge revenue jumps to the marketing campaign all the way through the buyer journey into retention, which a lot of companies are missing, um, especially even the ones that are tied up to Salesforce. So um, basically any tech company that's trying to get to the 100 million mark Really a good uh, company for us to work with, but we'll tackle almost anything because our, our tactics remain the same. The strategy configuration remains the same. Mm-hmm. It just comes down to like what is going to be something that we implement versus something we might outsource. Um, but most of the strategy around what we do remains the same. But those are the areas that we're really focusing in primarily at the moment. Gotcha.
0: All right. And the last question, uh, you know, it sounds like you've had a long, strange trip so far. Um, super interested to see where it goes. So I want to make sure I I put the seat out there now for the next interview, maybe a year or so. Um, but the, the, the thing that I want to ask you is that in this journey, in this, uh, uh, trip that you've taken to get to where you are, um, what are the three biggest kind of lessons you picked up along the way that really have either helped you the most or shaken you the most or, or, or whatever.
1: The bigger the company is, the more that's screwed up on the back end. That's. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't say that. I mean, you look at like some, of the, I can't name the names, but like yeah, you yeah, get yeah. into the back and you're like, oh my God, this is a train wreck. Like it's so bad. Like and, and nobody knows what's going on. They don't
0: have to be agile. That's the problem, right? Like when you have to sing for your supper every day, you eliminate all the BS. And when you're yeah. a large corporate, you just got so much momentum. Like, like to...
1: literally it's like after... 30 people in a company, it just starts to become like, a, a, like a disaster on yep. the back end. And they stop tracking things that like they you know, everything becomes a mess and all the way through every department, everything is <laughs> it all. And I'm not saying it's all bad, but it's like, no, it all I'm, just ends up being, you know?
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, that was the first big lesson I learned. Um, and to, to quote my business coach, uh, Brian Cristiano, like one of the biggest um things that i found was creating a wedge which was instead of pitching the full service up front um i would uh, instead create the blueprint or the strategy or the the piece of it that you would have to do anyway remember i said we do strategy first like that is our wedge but like we go in and we essentially do an assessment first before we do the full proposal or the full service full output Mm. i never thought about it that way until i was trained to think about it that way but Essentially, what it allows us to do is have a very low form of commitment, a very low form of engagement that's that's very low risk, but allows whichever company we're working with to have a, a very detailed finger on the pulse assessment of where they are, not just from, hey, we ran an SEM rush report. It's more like, here's what we saw between all of your, your product, your UX, your software, your marketing, your sales, mm-hmm. and where you're missing revenue, where your current spend analysis is, where the gaps are uh, where you're double overtracking information, like really having like a holy crap, like this is what's on fire type of a moment. Um, and that has allowed us to propel sales because of the way that we structure our deals. And, um, and it kind of gives you that 30 day run rate of getting to know each other before you get in bed with each other. So you're going on yeah. a date, right? That was a really big takeaway for me with, um, with marketing and sales. And, uh, the third thing I, I, I kind of didn't like learn, but I kind of just kind of followed my gut was to just be completely authentic. Um, what I've found is that me being very off the cusp, being how I am, um, like our slogan literally on the back end is punk as fuck, you know, <laughs> and people are like, you know, I come from a punk background, but in right. our world, what that really meant was go against the grain, you know, be the JFK, be the Tom DeLong that everyone thought was crazy until the government said aliens do exist. Right. Um, so it it always was go against the grain and do what your heart says and follow that. And when it came to business for a long time, I was like, oh, I need to have this type of camera. I need to have this type of lighting. I need to dress this certain way. I need to have this many results. I need to have and none of it really at the end of the day mattered. I just I realized that it I just had to be exactly who I was and just follow true north as my, as my moral compass
0: yeah.
1: and the karma would come and it has, and and all I've done is, is push and not worry what other people thought. And I said, if I'm sticking to what I believe is true, none of the rest matters. And the people that believe what I believe will by nature come and they have. So th- that's all I would say is that, you know, it's it's also allowed me to get over my fear of being on camera. Because I used to hate being on camera. I used to hate content. Still, I still hate filming content, but like it, i'm just like you know what? I'm doing this cuz I know I have to You're and doing I, well, you know
0: yeah. you well. Yeah. clearly the the fear hasn't stopped you from from creating quality stuff so
1: i, I we got to get better at it there's always stuff to improve <laughs> but but i I'd, I'd say the authenticity is magnetic and that's something i've i've just naturally seen on the business end that i, I had seen from a social perspective when mm. we were touring and 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 around kids and and promoters but taking it to the business world and just being my my authentic self was something that I didn't expect to get so much like uh, both attracting the bad people that thought that they could take advantage of it or attracting the people who were genuinely really good A players that were like, I just can't believe that I finally found somebody I can trust or I finally found somebody I can even just have a conversation with where there's no ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. you know. So I, I think that that's been a huge part of our growth is... It's allowed me to network a lot easier as well.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Jay, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been excellent. Uh, I think um, uh, I'll be sure to let you know when this uh, this is coming out, but I think our listeners here um, have gotten a ton of value. So thank you for sharing your expertise.
1: Thanks for having me, man. It was a lot of fun. I plan on coming back.
0: So. Awesome. Awesome. I'd love to hear that. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-I-S-T-C-H-E-F Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef podcast chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done for you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30 day money back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level.